Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Max Verstappen made it look easy as he crushed Red Bull's opposition with a win at Formula One's Austrian Grand Prix ahead of Valtteri Bottas and Lando Norris. Max has a 32-point lead in the World Championship with a third straight victory, but his title rival Lewis Hamilton could only manage fourth as he battled damage to the rear of his Mercedes. At the start, Verstappen was able to pull clear from fellow frontrunner Lando Norris, who kept Sergio Perez behind after an early safety car caused by Esteban Ocon retiring. On the restart lap, Sergio Perez attacked Norris on the outside at turn four. However, Perez ran wide through the gravel, which sent him back to 10th as the pack rushed past. Hamilton and Bottas moved up to third and fourth, respectively. The stewards would later rule that Lando deserved a five-second time penalty, announced on the same lap that Hamilton would finally get past the fast-running McLaren on lap 20. The five-second wait at the first round of stops meant that Bottas would also get ahead in the pit lane. After emerging comfortably in the lead, Verstappen continued to build his gap at the start of the second stint, which quickly became a considerable advantage as Hamilton began to struggle for rear grip as a result of damage sustained to the left rear aerodynamic surfaces of the car. Lewis was being reeled in by Bottas and Norris when radio messages indicated Mercedes wanted Bottas to stay back from Hamilton. But McLaren responded by pushing Norris close to Bottas. However, as Hamilton struggled with rear traction, Mercedes instructed them to invert and Bottas swept past. After Norris also passed Hamilton on track, Lewis took another pit stop as he would drop back into fourth position, but he couldn't make progress. With 10 laps to go, Verstappen's advantage was so great that he had enough time to pit for a second time and put the fastest lap bonus point target out of sight for the rest. Behind Hamilton, Perez would finish fifth on the track but dropped to sixth after penalties for twice forcing Charles Leclerc off the track. 
Carlos Sainz was the last of the late stoppers waiting until lap 49 to get rid of his hard tyres and would be allowed past Leclerc on the track as he had more pace to attack Ricardo, who had been running in sixth. Pierre Gasly was the lead two-stop runner in ninth, while Fernando Alonso took the final point to deny George Russell, who had lost several places on the opening lap, having started eighth. Russell resisted for several laps in a thrilling duel before Alonso got through with three laps left. Well, guys, this weekend's Austrian Grand Prix was definitely more exciting than last week's Syrian Grand Prix, I would say. I am joined by Luke Smith, Autosports F1 reporter, and Jess McFadden, Director of Digital Strategy for Motorsport Network. Happier with this weekend? What are we giving it out of 10? Luke, you go first. Um, I, yeah, a little bit happier. I think we went for a, went for a five <laughs> last week, I think. Um, yes, I, I'd we maybe did. nudge that to a, to a six, 6.5, I think, if we're allowing half marks. I thought, yeah, it was at the front, very straightforward, very dominant, I think probably as, as we expected. But there were so many storylines coming in the battles behind. And I thought that particularly that, that fight for second and third, and I thought Lando Norris's performances, I'm sure we're going to come on to, was just uh, phenomenal. I thought that was really, really cool. And then, yeah, I think that the the softer tyres, they did lead to a bit more sort of strategic um, sort of uh, intrigue. I thought there were a lot of different strategies out there. So, so yeah, it was definitely a, a more interesting one. Uh, still not like a, a mind-blowing race or anything like that. Um, my dad, who's very much a Fairweather fan, he always goes, he texts me and said, oh, should I bother watching the highlights? And today I was like, yeah, yeah, you probably should. But it wasn't like a hard and fast, you've got to watch this. Um, yeah, but definitely a better weekend uh, than it was uh, for the Styrian Grand Prix for sure. Jess, what do you think? Yeah, full agreement. I think I gave it quite a scathing four out of ten last weekend, so I I, I would jump up. Uh, whereas Luke's only gone one point, I think I'd agree with a six, which means I give it two extra points. So I think it's it was definitely had more going on. You know, I again I think I touched on last time, but I'm always judging by like how many notes I'm writing down, and there was enough going on that you could consistently write notes and and note what was going on and and as Luke pointed out there was plenty going on up and down the grid to to keep us interested so uh yeah well done Pirelli for bringing a step softer because it gave us a lot more to talk about and uh I mean I'm kind of coming into this podcast slightly we're gonna have a lot of conversation I'm sure about penalties and whether they should be applied or not or what they mean so it's going to be one of those ones where we're this this it's one of those races where we start to look at the makeup of Formula One as a whole the rules and the kind of sportsmanship that's associated with uh with driving in Formula One and so it's one of those races where there might have not have been blow away race like Luke said you know the highlights are probably going to be a nice what on YouTube, probably a good four minute length, probably not going to be, you know, a 10 minute blowout, but uh, decent enough. But yeah, it's 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 more about the storylines that are coming off the back of it um, in terms of, you know, how does Formula One operate and do we have it right? Which, you know, we love as fans and pundits and media people to pick apart and start conversations. So that's why we're here. So why don't we get into it? Exactly. And you've teed it up perfectly, Jess, because the first thing we are going to talk about 
is the penalties. So let's get straight into it because they were flying left, right and centre today, even once the race was finished. As I was getting on the plane to come back here, I was getting the autosport notifications like, these drivers have now been summoned, these drivers have now been summoned. And then I landed and it was again pinging off with the outcome of those investigations. So many penalties. Luke, can you talk us through the most important penalties that were given today because of course some of them were for not slowing but then we also saw the penalties for the likes of Perez for instance getting the two five second penalties we saw the penalty for Lando Norris can you talk us through what happened there and also your thoughts and then Jess I'm going to come to you and see if you are in agreement sure so I think there's two main types of penalty that we saw in today's race and the first one was obviously uh relating to the instance with Lando Norris and Sergio Perez Perez times three uh the first time he was on the receiving end when he tried moving around the outside of Norris at turn four on the opening lap which uh on last week's podcast I think I was raving about how Norris did that move on Perez on the first lap um this time it was sorry after the the safety car restart this time around uh yeah Perez tried that same move Norris defended very very hard out on the outside and uh that forced Perez onto the gravel and caused him to drop back to P10. Uh, the stewards took uh, 20 laps or so to decide on that and hand Norris a five-second time penalty for forcing another driver off track. And then uh, we saw, um, just to quote you, I think from last week's My My How the Turntables, uh, because it was Perez this time <laughs> at turn four when he was being attacked by Charles Leclerc, uh, trying to close the door exactly the same way. And it again left Leclerc touching the gravel, again dropping back, again losing time, and Leclerc got very, very angry. And this time, and I timed it on the um, stewards' notifications that we get, it took 46 seconds between the instant being noted, called under investigation, and then a five-second time penalty being dished out. So... Whichever way you look at it, it's very good consistency on that front. And then it was Perez versus Leclerc round two a few laps later, this time at turn six, when Leclerc tried to move around the outside. Again, Perez squeezed him out. Leclerc hit the gravel, got very, very angry over the radio. And again, the stewards, it was a slam dunk, another penalty um, dished out very, very quickly. A lot of drivers, eight drivers under investigation after the race mm -hmm. for allegedly not slowing under the double waves yellow flags. That was for the crash between uh, Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen on the very last lap of the race. Now, the rules for double wave yellows are that you must be slowed down and prepared to stop. And obviously it's very ambiguous because it's Formula One and drivers will try and work the rules to their advantage as much as they can. Uh, in the end, uh, they deemed six of the drivers uh, to have not uh, broken any rules and to have slowed down sufficiently. Uh, but it was Nikita Mazepin and Nicholas Tifi, both of whom uh, received a 30 second time penalty for not doing that properly. And for Latifi, the weird thing was that he actually lost the position to Kimi Raikkonen, even though Raikkonen got a 20-second penalty for biffing off Vettel. So although Raikkonen caused the whole thing that caused the double wave yellows, he actually gained a position. So a great game of 4D chess by Kimi Raikkonen. Fair play there. Um, yeah, so those are the penalties wrapped up. Uh, in terms of are they fair or not, I think the double wave yellows is very obvious. Yep. I think with Kimmy's penalty, very obvious. Yep. Uh, it is the uh, Norris and Perez instance. I think that is, that's what everyone was talking about. And even during the race, I'm on a WhatsApp group with um, a few other journalists and it was going back and forth. And what about this? What about that? And was it like Albon and Hamilton last year and everything? And I think that... Um, Juan Pablo Montoya, he did a, a segment for Motorsport TV Live after the race. And uh, he sort of said, like, if you're a driver and you're on the outside, what are you doing there? Like, why are you there? You should know better. And I did I did kind of see his point. I think that, yeah, if you're on the outside, you've maybe got to be prepared to be squeezed out. 
But on the flip side, it was Fernando Alonso who once said, all the time you must leave with the space. And the, the space was not left. So I, I can see both sides of it. And I'm really torn as to, was it a fair penalty or wasn't it? If if there wasn't gravel there, if that was just the white line, say it was Paul Ricard or whatever, and those drivers did those moves, nothing would be said of it. And that would still be just as much of a forcing off track move. So yeah, it's a it's such a tricky one. So I'm going to throw it over to Jess, who hopefully can have a really spicy take on it. I was in a similar boat as you, Luke. I mean, I think initially I was like, oh, Lando, you naughty boy. Like that was a bit, I mean, it was aggressive and we love to see it and we want to see racing. So I fully understand why people are upset about um, the fact that Lando was penalised and Perez was penalised because as a lot of the um, team principals have come out saying, you know, it's racing, right? And we want racing. We want people to make those moves and to not be thinking, well, you know, I might get a penalty for this or, you know, I might come off badly in this. But, But Luke, I think Luke has hit the nail on the head. I think the issue today was gravel. And the, the, I guess the, and it also comes down to the fact that when we're there are humans that are applying these penalties right and it's all down to interpretation and there is meant to be a level of consistency so you know in the stewards room they have they can go to any event in formula one from any pretty much any season since we've been filming it and and allow them to find similar instances um, and to review those instances and to see what penalty was applied in those instances to, in order to get precedent, right? In order to get consistency and to try and understand, you know, how do we pick apart these uh, these penalties? Um, but I think there, there's also one of those kind of a- approaches that where, you know, you want the punishment to fit the crime almost. And, and Perez's race was ultimately finished by that move um, because he ended up in the gravel and dropped so many places. And so there's this kind of almost like call to then penalise Lando Norris because he was seen to be at fault for that move. So I think, but I think Luke's totally right. I think had it been runoff, um, we wouldn't have had an issue. I think, you know, it might have been investigated, but I don't think he would have been penalised. And it all comes down to that whole thing of, well, isn't this what we like? We we've been asking for gravel traps to in order to help kind of kind of help track limits, right? And you know, a driver is going to be a bit more keen to kind of throw it or shut doors or whatever when there's when there's runoff because there's a kind of get out of jail free card right in front of them that they can go and escape down. When there's gravel, you don't have that, and it looks way more catastrophic. Uh, it usually causes way more of an issue to your race because hey gravel's there to slow you down and it causes a bit of damage so you're probably not going to come out of it all right as we saw today um so yeah it's one of those weird what one of those weird instances where we have to go right well is there consistency when we're applying these penalties because you can throw up a number of different um examples of similar moves where the driver's not been penalized um and it does make fans and people go well why aren't we getting that level of consistency um and i think it comes down to it again where i really do uh, when i was doing a a live stream with johnny noble on motorsport.com's instagram channel and um someone made a great point of like why didn't we hear fia radio this weekend 
because they've obviously been they've been using it a lot more on coverage in order to open up that communication between the FIA between race control and the teams and it's been amazing like it's been so useful it gives us such a different level of insight into how uh, these decisions are made and what conversations are being had because other than that we don't we get very archaic delivered notices that you know only recently have really been made accessible i because i mean before they would just give you the car number they wouldn't even give you the name of the driver or the initials of the driver they would just say car 44 or car 4 and and fans would be like right who's car 4 again like you, you know it's not it's not so straightforward and, and the wording that they use is very kind of legal archaic terminology um that doesn't always give you or definitely doesn't give you the reason behind it now we get that information like we get a little bit more of a of a breakdown as to what's going on and we try and share that but I really do think it's just another reason of like why we kind of we need a bit more openness around these decisions and obviously you know Michael Massey was interviewed this evening and he was asked but but Michael Massey doesn't get involved with steward decisions right he delivers them and he might say right stewards this team wants you to look into that can you look into that but he doesn't make the decision it's the stewards that make the decision so there's a breakdown of communication between what it is that was the reason for the penalty being given um and us and the fans and I think that's it's just another one of those instances where it might be calling for us to look into how we can maybe develop that and help that a lot of ground has been made in the past few seasons I will give that to both FOM and the FIA there's been a massive jump from what we used to get but it's still not perfect and it's races like today that will get fans backs up and you know it I don't know if there's a there's I don't know if there is going to be ever an easy solution because at this point in time it is humans awarding and judging these instances and we are going to, we're humans we are flawed we make mistakes so there's always going to be a, like a contention there there's always going to be someone who doesn't agree with whatever right that's I mean it happens in football all the time how I mean how like I don't want to throw up VAR I don't really want anything like that in in Formula One but you know it's that whole debate between machine clean cut you know it's black and white it's this or that and the fact that in racing there are so many gray areas so it's just another one of those instances where we maybe just need to kind of look into how can we make this clearer? How can we make this understandable? There you go. Sorry, that was a ramble. I, I feel I, I've just been rambling on, but I hope hopefully half that. That was sense. a good ramble. It's fine. No, it's fine. That was a good ramble, and that's a really good point you raised about the FIA radio uh, because I didn't I didn't actually register that during the race, but in hindsight, that would have been so useful to have, and yeah, it would have shed light and maybe as you said, given that context behind the penalties that the fans often are seeking out. So very interesting point there. And I would like to know why we didn't get to hear more of that. Luke, what have the teams or the drivers, specifically Perez, said since and Norris? What have their thoughts been on the penalties and the way that they were administered today? Yeah, well, Lando was quite 
open, I think, immediately on the radio when he was told, uh, you've got a five-second yes. time penalty. <laughs> and he, he was kind of like, well, what for? And they were like, don't worry, don't worry. And he was like, well, if it's for lap one, then that, that's just ridiculous. And he, he stuck to that line completely after the race. And he said that it was uh, it was a stupid move. Sorry, a bit stupid. I don't want to make that too strong. Uh, by Sergio Perez. And that, yeah, he shouldn't have been there on the outside. Therefore, what did he kind of expect? And um, yeah, so he he obviously was sort of very, um, yeah, he was, he was very direct about it and rightly so but the two penalty points he picked up along with the five second penalty is actually on 10 points now which is only two away from a race ban he will lose two of those because uh, they were accrued at last year's Styrian Grand Prix so two of those drop off before Silverstone so he's on eight um, but that's still still a quite a high number and then he won't lose any more I think until November so it's, it's quite a while so it's um, yeah it's, it's an interesting one and um, yeah then Sergio Perez I mean he was he was actually sort of quite um, quite open and sort of put his hands up about the about the Leclerc ones and I think maybe he kind of realised that okay well I can't be aggrieved about Norris unless I kind of put my hands up about um, about my moves and I, I did wonder during the race actually and I don't know this either way whether Red Bull actually told him that Norris had picked up a penalty for that because obviously it took 20 laps for Red Bull sorry it took 20 laps for the FIA to make that decision by that point obviously Norris was running what P2, P3 Perez was still back in sort of ninth or 10th so he wasn't racing Norris whatsoever and really I think Red Bull it might they might have just thought okay we're not going to tell Checo because it's not his race anymore what's the point but then him not knowing that might he have gone into that Leclerc battle and thought well I'm just going to do exactly the same then I don't know they might well have told Perez that's just a, a theory on my part I would be interested to know about but um, yeah Christian Horn I mean he he said mid-race he said that he didn't see he didn't see why that was a, would be a penalty for Norris and obviously as a team you would normally sort of be banging the drum as much as you can for your drivers to gain an advantage and to see a driver that allegedly wronged yours to be penalised and, and he didn't he said no that's racing so so yeah, it's been a very interesting sort of mix of responses. And obviously, yeah, Checo couldn't be too um, too angry about what happened with Lando without himself sort of going, well, I got done too. So uh, yeah, but I mean, he was, yeah, he put, he put his hands up and said, yep, the move's on the clerk, fair cop. Um, shouldn't, shouldn't have done that in the way I did. Should have left the, the car's width that Michael Massey also talked about after the race. Uh, Charles Leclerc, he said he was very angry about it, understandably so, because obviously he was fighting so much with Perez and that did lose him ground um, perhaps when it came to that late Ricardo fight that he couldn't get ahead. So uh, so yeah, so I think it's been uh, an interesting mix of reactions and I think that come the driver's briefing at Silverstone, I think that's going to be a very interesting one to see where this comes up again and sort of what the drivers um, say about it. I did pick up on the Christian Horner comment as well and I think that that makes fans even more wary about the penalty situation when, like you said, the person who is has apparently been wronged, the team is saying, no, no, just a racing incident. And then lo and behold, they get a penalty. It does just make it even more of a gray area, which isn't really very helpful at all. But let's stay on Red Bull for a moment because, of course, Max Verstappen charging to the win today it looked very easy for him out there. It really did. He didn't look like, well, he wasn't under threat at any point during the race. Jess, he was just in his own race, really, wasn't he? Just just a case of driving it home and not really worrying about anything else that was happening. Another really commanding performance from Max Verstappen. He is just such a stellar driver. I mean, we know what what this this racetrack is is like and track position is everything and once you're ahead as long as you can manage your tires and you're all right then it's usually you know a pretty straightforward race so um 
it's yeah I think it's just great I mean we've been waiting for this right like a lot of people have been waiting for Max Verstappen to be given a world championship uh, competing car and he now has one amazing how much you know Mercedes just doesn't have the answer here um and I think you know um something else we touched on in terms of the rest of the championship I think Silverstone's going to be very pivotal in understanding where this championship is going to go because the Red Bull ring is a strong track for Red Bull it has been uh for, for a number of seasons and I think you know that's it's it, it's it's where we would expect them to do to do well Silverstone is a Mercedes track and I think the result of that coupled with the fact that we've not to jump ahead too much but coupled with the fact that we've also gonna have a sprint race uh introduced that's gonna throw everything into the mix hopefully I mean that's what F1 wants right um it's gonna be really interesting because I think that's gonna be the moment where we go all right is this championship in Red Bull's hands and can Mercedes do anything to stop the charge of the bulls but it's really it's really interesting and i think you know the only thing that max really had to did he even really have to worry about it he had a he had a a, a, a slash i think in a tire that his engineer was a bit worried about um and because he wanted to go for fastest lap even though he already had fastest lap which i found quite funny um he wanted to push for fastest lap and it was already you know pretty much out of reach but i mean he got that second pit stop and was able to to push that further out of reach uh, for anybody else. So he took maximum points home in front of a home crowd. And actually, uh, not to jump from topic to topic, um, it is the end of a triple header. Please give me some leniency here. Um, But how amazing to do that in front of those fans. I mean, I mean, you were there, Ariana. It must have been so incredibly awesome to see i mean if that's austria holy crap what's sandport gonna be like because it was absolutely just like i mean it really it's kind of one of those nature is healing type moments of seeing those fans back and to deliver i mean the the, the, the noise that came off it through the tv was insane um so being there i can't even imagine but for max to deliver that in front of those fans Luke, can you can we even fault Max to like this weekend? I'm not even sure that that he put a step wrong. He locked up on his run one <laughs> in key three, and that's about it. That is me clutching right. at the the strawiest of straws, honestly. Because so uh, even after qualifying, means... he was like, I wasn't happy. Yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was very upset yesterday, wasn't he? Which I'm sure you touched on in the uh, qualifying pod, Ariana. So we won't go into that. But that does mean, though, that Alex can't award him full marks. Then, doesn't it? Oh, if he God had so. a, I th- I'm sure. I'm sure there's a discretion or something that Alex, with his infinite power, can overrule that and give him a ten out of ten. So I, I hope he rankings. does. Really. Oh well, we'll just go after. Well, I, I always, I always enjoy seeing those land in my inbox in the morning. Um, we've already been given a slight preview of what Kimi Raikkonen might be getting tomorrow, which um, caused quite an interesting chat in the <laughs> in our editorial uh, an editorial chat. But um, yeah, we won't give that away. Come, come to watersport.com tomorrow for those driver ratings. It might be worth a read. It has been a long three weeks. I feel like Alex's patience is waning now. <laughs> come, come the third race of a triple header. 
Yeah, I think we're all absolutely shattered. So do bear with us, listeners. We're doing the best we can here. But I will have to say, yeah, the fans at the uh, track today were absolutely unreal. I mean, you saw on the TV, it was just orange everywhere, absolutely everywhere. The noise from them when Max crossed the line, like rumbled (laughs) the circuit. It was absolutely incredible. I can't imagine how Max must have actually felt when he actually, you know, got out the car, etc., saw all the support he had. Crazy, crazy, crazy scenes. And yeah, I'm very grateful that I was there to see it. Okay, well, before we continue, we have to say a massive thanks to today's Autosport podcast sponsor for helping to bring you the show. Formula One and money go hand in hand, whether you're a team boss with plenty of it or an aspiring young rookie with not enough of it. And our friends at Free Trade want to remind you about the importance of growing wealth over the long term. If you're new to investing yourself, don't be put off thinking it's complicated. You can start very easily with Free Trade. They're on a mission to break down these barriers and open up stock investing to people like you and I. There's no commission to trade, so you keep more of what you make. And you can join 700,000 other investors using their award-winning app, which is super easy to use. They're UK regulated and they cover stocks, ETFs and investment trusts. And you can jump on the app from just £2. Go to freetrade.io forward slash autosport and get a randomly allocated free share worth between £3 and £200, such as Greg's, Rightmove or Apple when you register and fund your account. Remember, when you invest, your capital is at risk and other charges may apply. Remember to use our URL so they know you heard it here. That's freetrade.io forward slash autosport for more details. The championship, you touched on it, Jess, just now, and the fact that obviously Silverstone is going to be quite a telling race with how that ends up. Luke, what do you think these consistent performances by Red Bull, by Max Verstappen specifically, are doing for for the Mercedes team? I mean, they're so used to winning as a team it must be so difficult now being on the back foot to such an extent. What sort of pressures do you think they're facing internally? Are we seeing them, do we think they're in a position where they're actually, you know, coming together and able to really work everything they can to move forward? Or do you think there could be behind the scenes some some pretty concerned people and cracks perhaps starting to show in the team that often does look like it is such a well-oiled machine and runs, you know, almost perfectly? Um, I think it is still a well-oiled machine. I don't think that this is at all going to sort of destabilise or throw Mercedes off or anything like that. I think that this team has always been so united and so strong um, and, and stays together. So I think that this is probably going to be energising them, that a bit like the fight against Ferrari, that, OK, we've got to really sort of rally together and come together to try and um, make sure we can sort of fight this. And uh, because that Ferrari threat obviously was so strong, but the difference then was that Mercedes could always sort of keep developing and keep going. Whereas now, because of obviously we've got 2022 looming, they can't do that in the same way. Like they, they've already said, well, no, we can't do any more development. And we know there's one more upgrade in the pipeline, which is going to arrive at Silverstone. So obviously that race, I think, is going to be, as Jess said, it's a Mercedes hunting ground. It always has been. If Red Bull can win there with Mercedes having upgraded its car as well, then I think that's when it's going to be like, oh, this is looking pretty, pretty daunting for the championship. But I honestly, I think it already is because I think that we're just seeing Mercedes for the past three, what, no, 
longer than that, four or five weekends now, they've not really had an answer to Red Bull's pace. Like they've not been able to fight with Red Bull one on one, really, it seemed like. And and that is, I think, just credit to the job that Red Bull and Max Verstappen have been doing. But also, yeah, Mercedes, I think they're kind of it's kind of like they're out of answers at the moment. And that I think they'll call probably Obviously, it doesn't sit nicely, but they'll kind of probably accept that if they're thinking, look, we're doing all we can. We've thrown everything at this. We know how important 2022 is. If we can't beat Red Bull this year because they're just better than us, then, then fair play. Um, Toto Wolff, he spoke after the race. He said that it's against all odds now for Mercedes to win these championships. Um, but he made clear that we will not give up. He said they're not going to back down. He said, I'm, I'm going to be there. He said something about sort of like at the very end, sort of holding the sword up or something. And I think he was trying to get a bit poetic and wasn't really sure about what what he was trying to say but it's um it's it's that kind of spirit the mercedes i think they have right now that they are the underdogs in a title race for the first time god since what 20 2013 when they weren't even in the title race really so it's it's an interesting position um i think that red bull have they deserve all the credit in the world for the job they've done i think they've been just phenomenal from the words go this year i think they they've um they finally sort of unlocked what it takes to beat mercedes um and I think that the sort of the more the longer this streak keeps going, then the more troublesome it's going to look for Mercedes. I mean, we are only on race nine out of a possible twenty-three this year, but I think that yeah, it's a it's a thirty-two point gap at the top of the drivers' championship. It's out to forty-four now at the top of the constructors. Mercedes, unless they start turning that tide quickly then it's going to be really hard for them to bounce back. They really do. And the momentum that they have behind them, I mean, especially coming off the back of this doubleheader at the Red Bull ring, you can just imagine that they're they're going into Silverstone. It may be a Mercedes dominant track typically, but they are going to be going in hungry and ready to, you know, overturn that themselves. Absolutely. Jess, I think you're about to say something there. Yeah, I was just going to say, I saw, um, I wish I had it in in, in front of me now, but I saw a, uh, like a, a points difference or how much uh, Lewis was trailing by at this point in the in the season uh, at, at when he's won the championship and this isn't the biggest deficit that he's had yet but I guess you know you can't you it's very easy to look at stats and go well you know he's gonna claw it back I mean we know how strong he is uh, in the second half of the season um, and there's a lot of tracks that suit him very well that he gets on very well at, and maybe this this is just one that's not in his kind of you know wheelhouse of utterly untouchable around uh, the Red Bull ring. But it, Luke's right; it's a different. We're in a different kind of setup now. Like obviously, a lot of those battles was with his own teammate, so it wasn't the same levels of of pressure. But you know, there were. He he was you know chasing Sebastian Vettel at times at Ferrari. Um, so we but we I think the point is is that we know that he has the capability of turning it around. He has the ability to you know look like he's the underdog or you know on the back foot and then come out absolutely swinging and and smashing the last half of the season. So that's I think that's why I'm kind of I'm really interested to see how Silverstone plays out because that is a Lewis Hamilton track. Like that is, it's not only his home Grand Prix, it's just a track that he's very, very comfortable around. So I am just really interested to see. I mean, it's just, it's what we want, right? We want, I mean, we don't want a Red Bull tear away. We want it, this to go down to the wire and to, to have these two battling as far down the season as we physically can. But um, yeah, I think like we're not going to write them off as, as you know, Luke rightly says, you can't write off Mercedes. 
you'd be mad to write off Mercedes. He's been here before in terms of being on the back foot, but maybe not in terms of just not having the answer uh, pace-wise, which is the that's the that's the uh, difference. And what did you make of staying on Red Bull? What did you make of Sergio Perez's performance today? We've already touched on the penalties that he had, but what did you make on his of his actual drive today, his performance? Because I've seen quite a few people saying that you know it was a pretty bad day for him in terms of he just looked like very messy, not the second driver that Red Bull would want to have, given the potential that they had to convert today's uh, starting grid into some really solid points for the constructors, but he obviously had the instance drop back, etc. Do you think those are fair comments that today was a bit bit of a scruffy day for him, or what? What are your thoughts? I think I wrote down in my notes he was, it was a very ag- aggressive day for Perez. It was, he wasn't was, it? That's he was. That's what I said as I was watching it. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was an aggressive day, which is what Red Bull want, right? They want some. They want a driver that's hungry, and they want their second driver to want to win as much as their lead driver right um so i think in that instance it was it was good to see it was good to see fight from perez but you know yeah like as once he once he was a bit further down it did get and obviously he got two two penalties and mm-hmm. obviously we've already touched on already the, the the point was is that it was a slam dunk penalty because they'd given Lando the penalty previously. Yes. So there was no way he was getting around that. But it is just it is just weird that, as we've touched on, like, he was the victim and then he becomes the, the perpetrator. <laughs> um, so, you know, in that case, it was a bit scruffy. Yeah, but, you know, I think he clawed his way back up from mm-hmm. being knocked off. He, he did he basically, I don't know, I would argue what he could do um i wouldn't call it i wouldn't call it like an awful day at the office because we saw the i I would just say because we saw that fight in him and it was a much better weekend overall um even if he didn't finish kind of podium podium wise but i don't know i i don't know i don't feel like very i don't feel strongly that it was a bad like a bad weekend for perez um but it obviously (laughs) he didn't take home the points that red bull would have would have wanted so i guess on that merit it wasn't I think a great that, weekend. Yeah, I think that, like you said, the fact that we saw the hunger in him is obviously a redeeming factor in all this. And yes, he didn't bring the available points home, but this isn't, you know, he doesn't behave this aggressively on a regular basis and is consistently missing out on points. So I feel like it's more excusable in this occasion that, yeah, it didn't pay off because, you know, he was going after the points, he was going after the moves, hats off to him for trying. If it was a case that he does this, you know, week in, every weekend, then, uh, yeah, then it would probably be something that was a little less impressive when he keeps uh, falling down the pack. Let's move on to Lando Norris because the fact that we are over halfway through the podcast and we haven't touched on Lando is not really acceptable at all. So let's give Lando some time. What an incredible, incredible weekend for him. I mean, we're saying every weekend, every race weekend that we record, how impressed we are. But then he just does one up on himself and we're left again trying to explain just how impressed we are with Lando Norris. But Another podium here today. Fantastic qualifying yesterday. Luke, what praise do you have for Lando? Actually, I'm going to throw in something, and this is probably the the highest praise that a Formula One driver can get. Because on Twitter this evening, 
Jeremy Clarkson, obviously very renowned for his very forthright views on things, he tweeted, anyone else thinking that Lando Norris is the real deal? And that says it all because he honestly, he's so good. I mean, if Top Gear, old Top Gear was still a thing, he'd be in that reasonably priced car, probably doing all kinds of hijinks and stuff. And and it would be great Um, because, yeah, Lando is just he's just so good right now. But this weekend... It was another level and it just trumped everything that we've seen from him so far this season, which I didn't think was possible. And obviously he had the nearish miss for pole at um, Imola, I believe, where he got done for track limits. Otherwise, he'd have been pretty close. But yesterday I was watching qualifying and um, one of the screens that the journalists can access shows all the mini sectors. So you kind of get every three, four seconds an update on how their lap is doing. And literally I was watching it and Lando compared to Max on that last lap, he was purple, 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 purple. And I was watching things thinking he he might have this here and in the end he was what 400th short which was nothing um and then Lando I think on Sky he talked through his qualifying lap and he was like well I lost a bit there and lost a bit there so pole could have been within reach which is remarkable but then going into the race and I said this in my pre-race um predictions for Autosport and Social that I I couldn't see him hanging on to the podium because the pace of the Mercedes and Perez behind would just be too much so really if he and could that's get what fifth a lot again, of people that would be said. pretty good that's what we were expecting um but it turned out totally different that he was able to hold his own in front of those cars at, um, at the front and uh, yeah it, it took what Hamilton 20 laps to get past Lando in the end and then Lando only lost the place to Bottas because of his uh, five second time penalty and then through that second stint, he was able to stay right with the Mercedes cars to the point that he could easily pick off Hamilton when Lewis started slow and then hound Bottas to the line and Again, it's it's a McLaren against Mercedes. It shouldn't be happening. But Lando just pulls out so much from the car. We know he goes well in Austria. Obviously, we saw that much uh, last year. But this year, it was just so mature and such complete performance. And I, I think, yeah, I just don't know what more to say, really. I mean, for Lando to come away with third place and be like, oh, but I'm a bit disappointed I didn't get second. And without the penalty, yeah, he probably would have got P2. It's it's just phenomenal. So yeah, he has been I was I was thinking earlier that when we come to our top fifty drivers in the world for autosport every year, and I mean obviously Lewis, Max, obviously they're gonna be up there. But right now there is such a case for putting Lando right at the very top, like top top three, I would say. Because he's just been that good this year. And yeah, honestly, I can't sing his praises enough. Jess, I'm guessing you're going to be echoing exactly what Luke has just said because I'm in complete agreement. The boy blows my mind. I just, I was exactly the same as Luke. I just thought, you know, what a great qualifying. If he gets P5, that's, you know, another top five finish for McLaren, which is just going to be so, so needed. But the fact that he just was so strong so convicted okay you know for those of us that think that and I, I don't I me not included but for those people that think that the five second penalty was deserved maybe he was ballsy but boy was he ballsy he was battling Red Bulls and Mercedes in a McLaren and I know that McLaren is quick like it's very quick in a straight line like the the I can't and this is another thing like do you do you remember not that long ago we were laughing at McLaren Look at them now. Absolute testament to the team. It, it, it's it's a, such a turnaround to have got talent like they've got now in the, in the team environment they've got right now, with the car they've got right now. I mean, it's where they belong, right? 
they should be up there. We know they've got the prowess and the prestige and the history. We, they should be up there, but they haven't been up there for a really long time. But Lando Norris is just... He's an absolute joy to watch. He's an absolute joy to watch. I just... It, he's so exciting. He's a great personality. He's hes just hes just everything. Like, he's everything that's good about Formula One. Um, and my word, like, if he can do this in a McLaren... You know what can't he do? That's I guess that's the that's that's the really exciting thing. Like with, and it was kind of like there was that moment um, when George Russell came up to him in the TV pen and kind of gave him a high five and you know said, "Oh, why are you sweaty?" And Lando was like, "Oh, champagne, mate!" Like as if like George wouldn't know. George has forgotten what champagne feels like. But I mean, it, it is one of those moments where you're kind of like these these two guys are the future of of formula one and that's massively massively exciting that they're already like lando's already putting in the performances that he's putting in he is my like again like a bar you know the eventual winners who are like max max is doing such a phenomenal job but land lando Norris, his consistency is just so special so special the performances that he's pulling out like i mean I really hope it continues into the rest of the season and he keeps shocking us and keeps surprising us with his consistency and his speed and his ability and his race craft. Everything is coming together and I think that's just that really exciting um, kind of prospect of like, what's he going to do next? If he keeps pulling these performances out of the bag, like what is he going to do next? Every weekend we're having pretty much the same conversation about him, but every weekend he is outdoing himself. So we have to have the conversation again because it's just so, so impressive to see. So yes, for all of you people that may not be, you know, as impressed with Lando, we apologize, but it's, you know, it's all deserved. So we have to give the credit where it's due. Let's talk about his teammate, uh, Daniel Ricciardo. What did you make of his day today? Obviously, he had had a rough day yesterday, rough weekend uh, at the Styrian Grand Prix. But it's ended, actually, you know, a lot better than I'm sure he would have expected after his qualifying uh, situation yesterday. What did you make of Daniel's recovery today, Luke? In the first Austria race, I think we didn't really see what he could have done because of that engine glitch. And I think it actually belied what was actually a very good race day for, for Ricardo. And obviously qualifying, again, to be that far off and to, and to drop out in Q2 as he did again was, I think, a bit a bit difficult and a bit gut-wrenching. But McLaren, like Ferrari, who I'm sure we're going to get onto, they, they committed to that medium start strategy because if you're on softs, they thought you're going to be in trouble, which as we saw with the Alfa Tauris and the Aston Martins was entirely the case. So that was good. McLaren stuck to their guns and didn't go away from that strategy just because um, Daniel didn't have the pace quite to get into Q2 um, without, uh, sorry, Q3 without using the softs. Um, but then in the race, yeah, I thought it was it was good to see Ricardo sort of, um, yeah, a bit punchy again, which was quite nice. I thought his defence from Leclerc in the closing stages especially was very, very good. I think he was a bit powerless to stop um, science from getting past. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty decent recovery drive. And obviously, I think we're always going to be 
comparing him to what Lando is doing, particularly as, yeah, Ricardo is meant to be the sort of world champion material and seven-time Grand Prix winner and um, ex-Red Bull driver and all of that. But I think that we're seeing good progress from Ricardo. I think he is sort of, he's not having races where he qualifies down the order and is totally mired there and just stays there. Like he is able to fight his way back up. So that's really encouraging to see. And I think that, yeah, once he's able to get his qualifying together a bit more, then I think he'll be in much better shape. I think then, yeah, he can be there with Lando, like we saw um, in France a couple of weeks ago. So, so yeah, so I think a, a good recovery. Um, should he be coming away from the weekend with, with more points? Yeah, but ultimately, all things considered, yeah, to go from 13th to 7th, I think it's a, it's what he needed to do. So I think fair play for that. Andreas Seidel said that they're pretty convinced that they know what the issue that's bugging Ricardo is. So, you know, let's hope for better Saturdays for Ricardo because we saw today just what a racer he is like uh, absolutely uh, both of the starts the the initial start and the safety car restart from him were mega um and I think you know that's again uh, we we keep touching this on the the Daniel Ricardo we know the Daniel Ricardo we know is in there which is just like I think belittling to to Daniel because you know we don't know or you know we're not a hundred percent sure of the the challenges that he is facing trying to get used to this new car or whatever this niggle that they found that they need to fix is. Um, and I think that's a bit, yeah, it's a bit, you know, belittling to Daniel, but you know, let's hope that they do know what it is. Let's hope that they can fix it. And we're seeing him up there and doing kind of similar to what Lando is doing. If if that McLaren really is as as competitive as it is showing to be with two very exciting racing drivers behind the wheel um so yeah like let's hope let's hope that andreas is right and um we can we get we get better better saturdays because he's putting a lot of work on sundays um so yeah let's 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 just hope for better in future races Luke, you just touched on Ferrari. Let's turn to them now. Of course, yesterday qualifying, neither of them made it into Q3 because they really wanted to keep on those medium compounds and ultimately they weren't they weren't quite quick enough to make it through. But today was a better outcome for them. And this is sort of what they had said they were expecting as well. They were more confident in their race pace for today. But how did you rate their drives, both Charles and Carlos? Obviously, Carlos had you know uh a tougher time starting on those hards but ultimately he managed to come home with a good result yeah i thought it was a really good drive by science and he, he struggled at the start and in the opening stages because obviously the hards particularly when the cars around you are either on softs or mediums you're always going to struggle just to get into the up to temperature and um yeah up to pace that that bit quicker but similar to last week he just trusted trusted the race he just kept going he went long into the race on that hard tire which really really paid off and towards the end of his stint he was still pulling out these personal bests which is fantastic and uh, yeah that really set him up nicely so he was able to pit came out in eighth I believe and then he quickly picked off Stroll who obviously was two stopping so never really a factor and then yeah he was able to bear down really well on that Ricardo Leclerc battle which um, obviously Ricardo was keeping Leclerc back with everything he had 
Leclerc sort of was more and more unable to, to get ahead. And um, yeah, obviously it was a, a big struggle for him. Um, and uh, Ferrari, yeah, they did exactly the right thing, telling the drivers to swap over. We heard Science come over the radio and say, thank you. Um, I'd imagine that had Science not passed Ricardo, they would have probably swapped them back on the last lap. Um, but then, yeah, he got Ricardo really well with those um, fresher mediums. So I thought it was a really good recovery um, from Science. I think that, yeah, had it not been for the... Um, had it not been for the the poor start, I think he might have been maybe a, a bit further up the road. I don't think he'd have been any higher than fifth. Obviously, he was sixth at the checker flag, but um, gained place thanks to Perez's penalty. So yeah, a very good drive from him. I think Leclerc, he's maybe not been as hot around the Red Bull ring. I think he's had a, a difficult couple of weekends. So um, yeah, I think he'll um, maybe go away and just try to get to the bottom of that. But again, to come home with uh, another sort of nice haul of points, I think he can be pretty pleased with that. And um, Ferrari, I think that it's just a really weird season. They have these bits where they're terrible in qualifying, then amazing in the race, then they get pole position, then they drop back in the race. And then the last two weekends, they've been really poor in qualifying. And then in the race, they've been brilliant. So it's a, it's a real hodgepodge. And this SF21 car, I mean, uh, yeah, last year's car was just terrible and difficult to understand. This year's car is, uh, yeah, tricky to understand, but at least it's quick and at least they can unlock these kind of performances where, um, yeah, even with Norris up on the podium, McLaren aren't pulling too far ahead of the constructors. So hopefully that'll be enough to keep the fight going uh, for a long time this year. Let's now turn our attention to George Russell because, of course, ahead of today, he was one of the biggest talking points. Everyone had quite high hopes for him today, we were hoping that he might bring home some points. Didn't work out that way. But, I mean, he went down fighting. He absolutely did go down fighting. And he was, of course, fighting Alonso, who is quite the contender to have. Jess, thoughts on George Russell today and, you know, his weekend as a whole. We've touched on it in the qualifying podcast yesterday. But, of course, your views are still welcome. It's one of those ones where everyone's very disappointed. And, you know, Alonso even said that he was sad to have denied George Russell uh, his first points for Williams. But, um, you know, it's, again, it's another performance that isn't going to be to George's detriment, even if he didn't manage to bring home those all-important points. Um, I thought it was an absolute joy to watch that Alonso-Russell battle. It was so good. And I guess, like, showed everybody else kind of how to battle around turn four and keep it clean um it was it was just so strong and I thought you know you know George George Russell is still a young Formula One driver and you're going up against a two-time world champion who you know is extremely confident um and okay you know he's not he's not in the machinery that he's used to but you know that 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 alpine isn't gonna you know do be a, an absolute you know easy easy win so it was just it was just so exciting to watch it kept me gripped for a really long time and i thought both drivers did excellently um and you know i, I know everyone's like he was three laps away from from points which is which is gutting but I think you know the performances that he's put out on track, the fact that he made it into Q3 yesterday on mediums in a Williams, you know, helpfully on the day that Lewis Hamilton signs a two-year contract and everybody is now going, well, who's going to 
pair up with Lewis next year. You know, I think he did everything he needed to do, but you know, he had a bad start. Um, and that seems to be a bit of a, a problem, whether that's a Williams issue, whether that's a car issue, um, uh, or, or what, I'm not sure. Or Luke's saying that he knows the answer, so maybe he can he can jump in. But that's the only thing that I would say maybe let him down. But other than that, great drive from George Russell. Uh, yeah, explaining that bad start. So George actually had to slam on the brakes, he said, to avoid Yuki Tsunoda, because he said Tsunoda kind of jolted across, so he had to slam on the brakes. And that then caused him to lose a few positions. And uh, yeah, that, as as you say, that did sort of undo his race a little bit because starting eighth, he was the sixth highest driver on the grid starting on medium. So in a really, really good spot. And because he dropped back to 13th in the early stages, that that was a big, big setback. But he didn't let his head go. Like he kept calm. He got down and did the job. He stuck to the one-stop strategy that Williams were, were always going to go for. And uh, yeah, when we saw the other drivers coming in for their second stops, the, the Vettel's the the Sonodas, that was when the picture slowly came together. Was like, okay, there may be a point on offer here. And uh, yeah, I think when we saw that it was Fernando Alonso bearing down on him, we all kind of went, oh, here we go. And um, it was, no, it was an utter joy, that fight. It really, really was. And we know how highly Fernando rates George. Obviously, he's said he's a future world champion material. Um, and uh, it was just a great battle. And the way that George was defending, I, I I was just so, so impressed by it that every time Alonso, it took him a good sort of six, seven laps to get that move done. Because every time he would gain into turn four, George would just place his car in just the right spot that Alonso would have to sort of be on the, the outside-ish of the corner. But he couldn't then get the cutback. So it was such good defending. And... And just a wonderful battle that we all enjoyed. And I asked Fernando about it after the race. I was like, how did you enjoy that? And this big smile came over his face and he laughed a little bit. And he said, yeah, it was great. And as Jess said, he said, I was a bit sad sort of seeing George and thinking I'm going to take away this point. But no, he said he just loved the battle and that it was it was very fair and very, very good. And um, in the end, yeah, it was a five second gap, I think, that Alonso pulled on Russell. So And George said after the race that we were always going to get past. But he was sort of pleased that he could hold his own against Fernando and he said that he's not had many wheel-to-wheel battles in F1 because that Williams has been, sorry Williams, but it's not been very good. But today he was absolutely able to get his elbows out, get stuck in against a two-time world champion, one of the greatest drivers to ever grace our sport and absolutely held his own. So yeah, a a phenomenal display by George. Again, I really hope this isn't a one-off. I highly doubt it will be because again, it's just staking this claim for Williams can get into the points um, this year and George deserves to take them there. And uh, yeah, again, 2022 Mercedes, the timing of it, it's, it's just, it is the momentum is building. And I think that the only thing that can stop Mercedes, I think putting George in that car is if they're too worried about destabilizing things and if they're so confident that the the Bottas and Hamilton partnership is the way way to go forward. Because on outright pace right now, George, I mean, yeah, he's he's got to be in that car because he's just performing so, so well. And uh yeah, he's the real deal. And I think today proved that again, if we needed any more confirmation. But that leads very nicely into what I wanted to discuss next. We are running out of time, so we're not going to be able to get through all of the other drivers. But I do want to talk a little bit more about Mercedes and about Hamilton's contract because we didn't have a chance to run through it yesterday in the podcast and I promised our listeners that we would discuss it today. So we're going to do exactly that. Lewis Hamilton's you know, signed, extended his contract for another two years. What are your thoughts on that? And following on from what you've just said, Luke, 
What do you think is going to be the most likely decision by Mercedes in terms of that second seat? You've said what everyone, you know, is already suspecting. It's either going to be, let's not disrupt the peace or yes, we need the best person who we think might have the most potential going forward, i.e. George, uh, in that second seat. What do you think it's going to be and why do you think it will swing that way, Jess? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I mean, I think, I think first off, I think it's it's great news that Lewis Hamilton signed on for another two years. Um, I think the year contract this year had a few people, myself included, if I'm honest, a little worried about whether he was feeling out other options or just wanting to know what the 2022. Uh, package was going to look like um, it's, it's it's very unlike Lewis to sign a one year contract, which is why there were all these question marks. But obviously, no need to worry. He's signed up on for another two years, um, and I think uh, we we want the best drivers in the best cars, and there is absolutely no question that Lewis Hamilton is one if not the best driver on on the grid so uh, i think first and foremost that's that's great news there's only going to be so long that george russell will remain patient he doesn't really have that many other choices but you know he might do you know he could have a red bull come knocking or um somebody wanting to give him an opportunity to get further up than he's currently running in a williams so that's going to be on Mercedes' mind. I know it's it's a, it's a massive problem for Toto Wolff right now. Like he's got this young driver who wants wins and who is very open in saying that's what he wants. Uh, not that anybody else who doesn't say that doesn't want it, but like he's very vocal in where he wants to be, where he wants his career to go. He's very driven and ambitious in that in that respect. Um, but you're right, like, there's Lewis Hamilton is very happy having Valtteri Bottas as his teammate, as is the team. You know, they, up until this season, um, they've clinched the Constructors' Championship and they've taken the Drivers' Championship home and it's been very comfortable. Maybe consider a Rosberg situation. I mean, obviously... It's a completely different scenario. They're at two diff- completely different points in their career. Rosberg and Hamilton were very much at the same points in their career in terms of how long they might have left, or their, um, you know, they grew up together and carted together, and this. So this is a completely different scenario. But I think you have to, you do have to look to the future. And if Lewis Hamilton is staying on for another two years. And they have Russell in the back pocket, who is chomping at the bit to get into some really competitive machinery. You're going to have to think, like, well, how long can we put this off for? So, I don't know. Uh, It might be that they sign on Bottas for another year. Because, I mean, that's the longest contract that he gets anyway. They might sign him on for another year get 2022 under their belt where everything's different and they don't want everything to change and then sign on George Russell afterwards um, when Lewis is, you know, we don't know what Lewis's plans are going to be after that. I I think, I do hope that there's more to come, um, but we don't know what that's going to look like. But yeah, I think if I was Mercedes, that's probably what I would look to potentially do. Um, but again, like Bottas is not in where he should be in the championship. And and that's that's a problem, you know. That like, that is that is an issue. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to know what Luke would do if if he was Toto Wolf. It's so difficult, and I think I'm gonna 
stall a little bit by first talking about Lewis's contract because I I would echo that entirely like it's it's wonderful news for the sport I think it's so important he's such a good ambassador and uh, yeah it was good that there was sort of none of this dragged out saga that we saw a bit last year and um, we spoke to Lewis Hamilton on on Saturday we got some unexpected media time with him because um, normally he won't talk to us after qualifying uh, because he's in the press conference because he always qualifies in the top three but obviously because he was fourth we got this session with him and uh, it wasn't about qualifying at all but he was on excellent form and very open about his sort of future and his plans and stuff and he actually I asked him about it and said sort of like in terms of the, the, the time scale and stuff why two years and he said that actually he wanted a two-year deal to begin with like before they went into the COVID year and everything like that and it got to the point where he was just like look let's get this done get a year added on and uh, Tosa Wolf said it was very much copy-paste contracts from what they've got for this season just covering two years he said it was a good sort of period that three years felt like too long for both of them one year would obviously be too short and put them in this exact same situation again next year and uh, yeah Lewis I mean he's very he's very comfortable and again I think the longer he remains in F1, it's not really dependent on the success of is it going to be an eighth title? Theoretically, he could be a 10-time world champion by the time his next contract is up. Um, it's about everything he can do off track. It's about all his work um, with sort of the Hamilton Commission and We Races One and all of F1's plans around that to improve diversity and inclusion within our sport and make it more representative as the world as a whole. And I think that's where Lewis's focus really is right now. But he did say that the fight with Verstappen this year has really sort of invigorated him even more. He's loved it. He's enjoyed it so much. And he said that, yeah, okay, Red Bull are pulling away now. But that early part of the season where they were neck and neck, he said he absolutely loved that fight. And I think that has maybe put a bit of a spring back in his step. And uh, yeah, he's going to be really curious to get his hands on the 22 Mercedes and just see what they can do. In terms of who his teammate is, yeah, it is so tough because I think... The other issue is that I think you want stability moving forward. And I think that the idea of changing the lineup only a year into the regulations might seem a little bit sort of too too much of a knee-jerk reaction to things if things don't quite work out. If, say, if Bottas is kept on for another year and he doesn't quite get things right with the car. But similarly for George Russell, I mean, he spends another year at Williams and then all of a sudden he's he's rooted up and Williams might come really good next year. We've seen the progression they've been making. And I think the the thing Mercedes is really missing at the moment is like a halfway house. Like they don't have what would have been a, a Force India in the past where they were able to, you saw in what, 2016, um, Ocon and Verlein were at Manor and it was basically a case of, right, whoever's better will get a Force India drive and Ocon was better, so they moved him on up. And, um, yeah, there's not there's not that opportunity anymore for Mercedes. And George has said, look, I want a multi-year deal, whatever I do next year. So, I don't know, do Mercedes, do they think, okay, let's keep George for another couple of years at Williams, hope that Williams come good, keep Lewis and Valtteri together. And, uh, I mean, Lewis... He said that he he said yesterday, I don't want to be racing when I'm 40. He'll be a month away from turning 39 by the time this contract he's just signed is, expires. So we're getting close to the end. But who knows? If it invigorates him, he might want to keep racing. So it's it's really difficult. And I think that it's very hard to sort of just keep George just ticking along. And yeah, Williams next year, they might make a huge step forward. They might be that sort of midfield halfway house team that Mercedes can work with. And it'd be a really good sort of training ground, improving ground for George. But also, I mean, you see performances like this weekend. I mean, how often can you sort of keep saying like, okay, soon, soon, until that driver is like, well, you know what, like, I need to 
I need to spread my wings. I need that opportunity. Because, yeah, I don't think there would be any shortage of teams that would be sort of thinking, well, let's try and snap him up in, in case Mercedes were to let him go. Um, but I don't think they will. I think that, yeah, I think on pure performance, I think you've just got to, I think, yeah, it's got to be George for next year right now. And I really, I'm really torn on saying that because I'm a big fan, not a fanboy, a fan. I really appreciate what Valtteri Bottas does. I think he's an excellent driver. I think he's been a brilliant teammate for Lewis Hamilton and has played a huge role in all of Mercedes' success. Um, and he said on, on Saturday, he said if, if it were to be that he, he didn't get a seat with Mercedes for next year, he would want to stay in F1, even if the options look very limited. Um, and I hope that, yeah, I hope he is on the grid next year, regardless of what happens. Um, but the way George is performing, I really just think that, yeah, I think Mercedes, unless they are that sort of worried about breaking up this team unit, and keeping things as they want to keep things as stable as they can with Lewis and Valtteri, I can't see any reason right now to not put George in that car. Um, 2022, it's a new regulations. Actually, I think that's a really good time to make a change and say, look, this cycle is over. It's the start of a new one, and let's bring in some fresh blood. What a predicament Mercedes find themselves in. I know that everyone is eagerly waiting for the news of who they will pick, and I'm looking forward to the podcast we record when they do announce that decision. We are now over time, so unfortunately we're not going to make our way through the rest of the grid. Luke's prepared a rundown, though. Should we just do a quick <gasps> rundown? Have you, Luke? I know. Yeah, I, I know what Nicholas Latifi did oh. this week. <laughs> He's making up Luke. for last week when we got to Latifi, and it was like, oh no, what did he do? <laughs> well, this has just made my evening, Luke. Please take it away. We've done one through eight, so we can start with Pierre Gasly in ninth. Uh, yeah, good track position, but again, he was on that two-stop strategy, so that really did cost him in the end, caused him to drop back. Uh, he made up a lot of time in that in that final stint on a fresh set of hards, but wasn't quite enough to catch Leclerc and Ricardo, so he finished uh, seven tenths of a second off. Uh, Fernando Alonso in tenth, we covered. Obviously, won that great battle with George Russell. Uh, I think a point for Alpine, very good all things considered. George, heartbreak, we've uh, talked about. Uh, Yuki Sonoda, a uh, bit of a weird race. He had two five-second time penalties for cutting the white line at pit entry. Same thing twice. You would have thought he would have learned from that. Uh, he struggled with time management throughout, so he wasn't able to quite um, make things up again he was on the two stop like Gasly as well so Soren is in a bit of a pickle um, same for Lance Stroll I think he made a really really good start he was up there in the points early on um, but again he was on the two stop and he got a lot of traffic when he pitted for that first set of hard tyres and that compromised his race quite a lot uh, Antonio Giovinazzi 14th uh, he had uh, contacts on the opening lap in that instant uh, that eliminated Esteban Ocon uh, he had to pit after that and again that always kind of made things a little bit difficult uh, managed to catch Nicholas TV quite well but um, then that that compromises race sort of being stuck behind the Williams uh, Latifi 15th uh, he actually had a really good first stint he was sitting about five seconds or so back from Russell at uh, one point early on but then just towards the end of that run on the mediums he started to struggle more and more wasn't so good on the hards and then with blue flags and everything it just snowballed so that dropped him back uh, Kimi Raikkonen uh, sorry Kimi Raikkonen actually is classified 15th because of his weird penalty quirk gain over Latifi um, he actually drove a, a pretty decent race on the, on the, on the hards and uh, yeah like science really long first stint then onto the medium was able to go on a charge had a sniff of the of the um get, getting russell for 11th late on but obviously ended up with that clash with sebastian vettel uh vettel again he was only there because of the two-stop strategy 
Again, same as Stroll, just struggled really a little bit. And uh, yeah, in the end, ended up in the wall. Uh, Mick Schumacher down in 18th, uh, he said he had a lack of consistency. He said at points he felt he could keep pace with the likes of Williams, but other points was just completely off it. Uh, so he finished 18th. And then uh, Nikita Mazepin uh, was 50 seconds behind Mick Schumacher on the road. Uh, he struggled with blue flags, he said once again. Same issue he had last weekend. And then obviously was hit with 30-second time penalty. That uh, means he finishes, uh, what, a minute and 20 seconds behind Mick? in the final classification. And then Espan Ocon, who is very glad to see the back of this weekend because he qualified 17th and didn't complete a lap. And has said that he wants to change as many things as possible on that Alpine car ahead of the next race just to get to the bottom of what's gone on. Because ever since he signed that new contract, it's uh, all gone a bit pear-shaped. But uh, yeah, that is your race rundown. I just love this new addition to the podcast. And I think it's such an efficient way to cover everyone off. Thank you very much. Thank you both for joining me to chat. That is all from us. We round off the triple header and we could all now breathe a little bit, have some time to relax and recoup before we go again at Silverstone. Thank you all for listening. We hope you've enjoyed all of our podcasts over the past three weeks and we'll be back in the not so distant future with our Silverstone coverage but in the meantime you can head over to Autosport Plus we have a ton of lovely wonderfully written articles and here's just a few that you can find there is one on how the cost cap is putting new pressures on F1's top teams why 5 out of 10 Ricardo isn't giving up on his McLaren quest and the F1 nearly man winding back the clock in NASCAR's European cousin that's all from us thank you again for joining us and we'll chat with you soon Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.